Christmas, Moose brings to me. Horror host extraordinaire, the leader of the creature feature, Dr. Sanguinary. Welcome, horror hounds, to another installment of the 13 Horrifying Days of Christmas. I'm your host and gift giver, Moose. Today, bringing you somebody that I could only aspire to be. This is... Ah. <laughs> this man has achieved what most of us only dream of. Which is nothing! <laughs> Please welcome horror host extraordinaire, Dr. Sanguinary. Hello, boys and girls, and the crowd goes wild. <laughs> <laughs> They're all screaming, and the kids are hoping that they're going to get a half day off of school or something because of this, but uh, no such luck, my little friends. You're just going to have to wait for 500 feet of snow to hit Omaha, like Shit. it usually does. Even then, you don't get a day off anymore. Now it's all virtual. <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> the little punks, they, they, they're going to be better educated than we were. It might might be worth something. So, what's up, Doc? Oh, I've always wanted to say that. Uh, well, <laughs> nothing much. You know, just been busy. Uh, we're doing the show up in Minneapolis on the, the CW. So, that that's doing okay, I guess. Uh, we went out to a, a nerd con up there. Uh, the show had been on for a couple of weeks and was surprised to run into a, a lot of people that remember the show from when it was down in uh davenport with the quad cities and there were a couple of people that were there from omaha that were like hey we're friends of this nurse or that nurse or whatever just tell them we were up here and we said hi um and then we had a couple people that said hey we saw your show you're really weird you know good luck with it and i'm like <laughs> okay so uh yeah we're just we're busy doing that and uh uh we got a couple of other little things up our sleeves um because, you know, we're not getting any younger. And we've been doing the show for well over 10 years. So uh, we're we're looking to uh, market ourselves to uh, uh, some some larger entities. So we've got the, the ball rolling on that. And it's been a case of it's not what you know, but it's who you know. So th that old adage uh, rings true for the entertainment business, even for people in my low standards here. Because... Uh, you know, there's people with puppet shows and even mimes that are doing better than us. So <laughs> I figure we got to crack at this. Uh, <laughs> Just got to crack that nut, man. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we'll get there. It's one day at a time. So what do you want to talk about today, my friend? Because I know nothing about everything. Well, you, you mentioned that, you know, you've been doing your show a little over 10 years. But Sanguinary has been a staple in like a household name in Omaha for like five decades now. Oh, oh, this sounds like a perfect opportunity for me to plug my book. <laughs> All right. So as many of you out there know, or maybe you don't, uh, I, I, I penned a little book about 460 pages called the Dr. Sanguinary Scrapbook. So I had started this way back in, oh my God, 2009, I think. And uh, I finished it in 2018, maybe. 
boy, my mind, my mind uh, boggles me with this. But uh, yeah, 460 page big giant biography of uh, John Jones, the original Dr. Sanguinary uh, from his uh, birth all the way up until his untimely passing. And it's got everything in there that you could possibly want to know about the man and creature feature and how it was formed and why they did things the way they did and this all the stuff that happened. And it's basically loaded with a ton of pictures because uh, uh, I got to call the entire collection of the Jones family. So basically scanned and took photos of every piece of memorabilia and every photo that they had. And there was quite a bit. And then I uh, hit a couple libraries and a couple archives and uh, stole all their junk, too. And I was fortunate to also run into a lot of uh, former co-workers of the original doc. And they had some pretty massive collections of uh, vintage photos and, and memories to share. So uh, this book, I've got a lot of time and effort into it. And it is now officially going into its fourth pressing. This time I'm using a publishing company in Iowa uh, to put this sucker together. I changed the cover on it and uh, this is the fourth edition or actually it's the third softbound edition but the fourth edition overall. Uh, there's a couple of changes to it. I've uh, fixed a couple of little errors and I've flipped some photos around uh, to add some new stuff to it to freshen it up a little bit. But um, if you are a fan of the original doc and grew up in the 1970s watching Creature Feature and Creature Double Feature, uh, you will thoroughly enjoy this massive tome because it even comes with a DVD with Creature Feature Volumes 1 and 2, which, like the book, I spent hours and days and years of my life tracking down all the surviving footage of John's Creature Feature Show. And it comes to about mm, two and a half hours worth of uh, stuff that survived from this guy and his, uh, his career, which is a shame. But, you know, the studios can't keep everything. Uh, but, so uh, that's the problem with the stuff from like the 70s. It's a lot of good content, but like you said, it's it, it gets lost over time. Oh, yeah, and it's, you know, if you're, if you're a fan of Ernie Kovacs, a lot of folks know that all his shows, the studio, they just put him on a barge and took him out to the past Statue of Liberty and dumped all the all the reels in the, into, the, <laughs> into the Atlantic Ocean. Uh, John was pretty good about keeping clips of celebrities or, or things that, was, that were on the show that just, you know, made him laugh, you know, whether it was a friend that... He had on in an episode or um, a special guest um, that stuff survived. There's a, a couple of complete episodes, which, you know, have got a lot of different um, folks from the station on it and whatnot. So I think it was stuff that it was endeared to him and, and he held on to that. Um, I was told that, you know, getting stuff bumped down to a, another reel was always a pain in the butt at the station because, you know, you're on company time and uh whatnot so uh we're blessed to have what we have and jason jones the eldest of the jones boys he dug out some uh eight and 16 millimeter films that he had found in his basement that he forgot he had and so i developed all of those and i will probably be releasing those as a little christmas present 
on our website, uh, CreatureFeatureTV.com. We've got a YouTube page that links to that somehow. I very rarely go there myself, but I'm sure it's there. But we will put all these uh, these little found footage, uh, little 18 or 8 millimeter, 16 millimeter reels up there for everybody to enjoy. There's some uh, very interesting stuff there. Uh, there's a uh, John as Doc at his first Ralston 4th of July parade, 1971. And the show started in February, so... He was fairly new. He wasn't quite the household name. So here's Dr. Sanguinary sweating his <laughs> sweating his lab coat off at the uh, Ralston 4th of July parade and running around chasing people. They don't know who he is. He's having a lot of fun. He's handing out his little promo cards and trying to explain himself. Hey, watch my show, KMTV and so forth. So um, that's kind of fun. And I've sweated it out at the ralston prayed many a time myself so i, I felt the, the the agony and ecstasy of <laughs> of all that uh we've also got uh some some clips of him at a uh with with sound but it's nothing it's just music uh he was at a jerry lewis mda convention uh on the, the west coast with all the other kids show hosts who were involved with the mda carnival kit program and John Jones, Doc Sanguinary, he was a very big gun in the Midwest with the MDA. He was up there. A lot of people, I don't think, realize how high up the ladder he was. But he was up there along with Calamity Kate out of Lincoln and uh, uh, the, I believe the Canyon Kid out of Sioux City, Iowa. Yes, Sioux City. So they were the big kids show hosts. And... Uh, they were the ones that were in charge of, uh, you know, making the wheels roll for the uh, the carnival kit programs, which, of course, Doc had the Spookorama kit program, which was ridiculously successful in the 70s. And and most kids have fond memories of at least sending away for the the Spookorama packet. And then, you know, they're like, oh, how to throw a haunted house in your garage. This is going to be fun. And then you open it up and. There's just all this adulting stuff in there, you know, forms and documents. And, you know, it was a little bit overwhelming and it just didn't look as fun as, you know, it, it might have been advertised. <laughs> and, you know, you're like, Mom, um, Dad, I want to make a haunted house in, in the garage. And, of course, you know, parents are like, no, we don't got time for that. <laughs> First, we got to so, clean out the damn garage. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, I, I knew, you know, I grew up in the 70s in Omaha. So, you know, I know a lot of kids that would send away for the, the kit and just get it to cut the mask out or tape it to their folder at school or something. Then I'm like, well, you got the kit. Why don't you just have a stupid haunted house? I'll be Dracula for you. You know, it was, you know, it was the 70s. It was, you know, make your own kind of fun thing. You know, Halloween was about making your own costumes, not going out and buying stuff, you know. Um, so, yeah, but anyway. So, yeah, Halloween gonna... used to be a lot more DIY. Oh, yeah. And by God, it used to be you were, you were up all night, you know. And I don't know. 
I, I just remember because we lived kind of sort of near the the Offutt Air Force Base. So we were in a brand new subdivision where, you know, you had your big two-story houses and everybody in there were brass. They were like captains or majors or lieutenant colonels, you know, that could afford to live in, you know, a subdivision like that. And and trick or treat, man, it, it lasted until like 10 o'clock <laughs> or later if it was on a weekend. Um, you know, you were out just running around and there were... Just, it seemed like there were hundreds of houses, but you could go out with a pillowcase and it would be comeback jam packed. Yeah. And, it, you know, things I realized times have changed. And as I, I tell everybody, I'm like, you know, kids have a lot of stranger danger because they carry around their phones and their cell phones have unlimited naked ladies. It has these produce guys showing them pictures of eggplants and all this other stuff and all i had to worry about when i was a kid was looking out for the guy with the with the the, the beat up panel van you know late at night you know that i say we we just had to look out for the guy offering us candy from the van yeah it's like you know hey kid i got star wars inside my van you do not <laughs> yeah i do r2d2's in there oh you know so that's all i mean <laughs> that's all we had to look out for back in the day yeah, it's it's interesting that to see how much Halloween itself has changed. You know, you, you see a lot more of like neighborhoods coming together and doing like almost block party trick or treating as opposed to just you hit a neighborhood and you go to the houses. It's like communities coming together and almost doing safe trick-or-treating but still outside i think one of my one of my first gigs i won't say it was unpaid because <laughs> but i had a fellow call me up and uh, what's the name of that neighborhood by west roads the rich people neighborhood um over by the west roads mall oh uh, uh anyway if you live in omaha you know what neighborhood i'm talking about because it's the neighborhood that everybody goes to in Halloween, if you know they're underprivileged or whatever, they put all the kids on the buses and they bring them out to this neighborhood with all the big giant houses and all the rich folks and the full size candy bars. Exactly. So I got a call from one of these dudes. I think he was a a dentist or an optometrist. He was he was in the medical profession. He said, "Hey, doc, you want to come out and hand out candy to the kids?" He's and he wasn't kidding. He had cases of full size candy bars. And I'm like, okay, this is cool. And so I'm like, you know, I no, you don't have to pay me or nothing for it. I'll I'll do it. It sounds like fun. So I get there and he's like showing me, he's like, yep, got these big full cases of you know Milky Ways. I got these big full cases of Snickers. And I thought, oh, and I got this fridge just just loaded with beer <laughs> and not the cheap stuff. <laughs> so I was like, all right, buddy, you're my best friend in the whole wide world. This is gonna be an awesome Halloween. <laughs> And we had fun, I, I will tell you. Candy and beer, you can't beat it. Yeah, you know, this year I was, like, looking around and, like, they do the things where the... You go into a parking lot, I guess, and you line up all the cars and the trunk or treat. Yeah. The kids. I'm like, wait a minute, trunk or treat? Does it, wait a minute, back in the 70s, you know, if you saw an open trunk, you went around it because you... That's how little Timmy disappeared. 
I say, yeah, we, we were always told don't approach strangers in cars with candy. And yeah. now we encourage it. It's yeah. Yeah. Whatever. It all, it's all going to come around again someday soon, but I, I say we, we, yeah. we tend to overcorrect, but yeah, you know, it's like those were, were different days, you know, even getting back to our, our creature feature topic and the original John Jones and, and the MDA and stuff. So you had the big um, Labor Day telethon every year. So the kids, you know, you, you could do spookorama, but the kids were encouraged to do some some kind of activities, whether it be at school or at home or whatever, to, you know, raise some money because your objective was to try to hit that 20 or $25 mark with your donations so you could bring them to the fishbowl and get that coveted creature feature Dr. Sanguinary t-shirt that he'd give you for bringing in, you know, 25 bucks worth of stuff. And uh, th- those shirts were, were made on the cheap. They were just one screen pulls. And oh, yeah. Police, police officer friend of Doc's made them in his basement and stuff. Uh, so uh, I'm going to guess the TV station and some other folks, you know, threw in the money to get the, the shirts or whatever. But the kids would go out and do things. But back then, you could you could knock on doors and collect money for MDA. Mm-hmm. Or trickered they the I don't know why they tried to do this, but every year they had people come and trying to get you to trick or treat for UNICEF. And I'm like, what? I'm not gonna walk around shaking a can looking for dimes. I want candy, you SOBs. Um yeah. Uh, but you know, you could go door to door and uh do your looking for donations and stuff. And of course, these days that's a pretty bad idea. But uh, yeah, different different days, different days. So, how did you get started as Doc? Oh, well, I started working on the book. So, obviously, I was working with the Jones boys, uh, Jason and Josh, and stuff, and it kind of came up that I've been in graphic design and production for. A gajillion years. So I said, hey, you know, I, I could probably reboot this show. You know, I like I said, I've, I've been doing production. It doesn't matter if it's television or if it's toy catalogs or whatever. It's all the same. It's all the same. So uh, I kind of put together a couple of demo reels uh, over the course of a year. Um I then it, we we went to a, a charity event in Lincoln, and uh, I met a fellow there that uh, was doing television commercials, and he had a video business on the side, uh, Jason Van Buskirk. So the two of us hooked up and came to some sort of agreement where you know he'd shoot and edit it, the thing, and I'd pay him peanuts, and you know one thing led to another, and boom, we got the show on uh, the Fox station in Omaha. And, uh, you know, ran that thing for a number of years. Uh, there were a couple of times where we tried flipping stations and whatnot. But for the most part, it, it, it ran on Fox uh, during its run. And then uh, I wanted to see, this is around 2017, 2018, maybe a little later. I can't remember anything. 
I wanted to see how well the show would do outside of Omaha. I'm like, okay, yes, people in Omaha, they know who Dr. Sanguinary is. I can be walking down the street at any time of the night or day, and I'll have people honking their horns and throwing their Burger King bags out the window at me and stuff. That's great. Love it. But I wanted to see if, how well this show would do if it was somewhere else where they didn't know who Dr. Sanguinary was. So I called around, and in the Quad Cities, uh, the NBC affiliates, like, we'll, we'll sell you some airtime dirt cheap. And they're like, I'm like, okay. And it just happened to be right smack dab in the middle of another local horror hosts program on another channel. So they've had a horror host in the Quad Cities for about 10 years or maybe longer. I don't know. And here they're smacking my show right in the, in the middle of hers as far as the time slot goes. And I'm like, okay, that's kind of a dick move, but I can live with it. Um, and uh, my show has always been the skit comedy. It's like, here's Doc in the lab and, you know, up something happens, you know, Doc catches on fire and runs up a tree, you know, how are we going to get him out of the tree and put the fire out kind of thing every week. The other host was kind of a talking head, you know, sit in a chair and go blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, uh, I'm not too worried about uh, what I'm doing. So, uh, yeah, we uh, had the show on for the first week after the first week. Uh, and this is when COVID hit, which was a lot of fun. But uh, the show had been on for a week and I went out there to do a nerd, little nerd comic book convention. Uh and COVID had just hit and they started shutting everything down. Well, the guy running the show is like, you know, to hell with this. We're keeping the show open. Just put a mask on. One of the first people to do that. And yeah. I'm like, yeah, I, I, I see the logic in that. That's fine. As long as you, everybody's got a mask on, you know, we're not exchanging bodily fluids in some way or another. We're good. And they even had a bar there. So that was awesome. So I've got my, I only had to do half my makeup on my face. The other half was a mask. I could sit my beer on the side. But I had people coming in that caught the show, and they're like, oh, my God, this this is awesome. So I knew it worked. They didn't have to know any of the background or any of the history of the original doc. I could just do my own thing. Um, the, the characters are, are definitely not complicated by any stretch. So uh, we can come on each week and you know you don't have to know dr sanguinary's shoe size or you don't have to know the background story of larry the Wolfman. um so uh, it worked out well so we're trying the same deal up in minneapolis now but we've eliminated the movie to a degree um we're not a hosted horror show anymore we've gone to a straight up comedy format so we're a half hour comedy show. You get your, you know, 20 minutes of doc continuous sketch, you know, sketch comedy, but then we throw little things in there. So, um, we've had, uh, we've got, or I should say we've got some, uh, little independent horror shorts coming in, um, from a number of different people. We've been airing some of those old Dr. Sanguinary Film Fest 8mm movies that the kids made in the 70s. We've been just tossing those in there because those are a lot of fun. Uh, I put the call out, you know, far and wide on social media. Hey, if you've got a horror short 
or you know something stupid that you did that's about three minutes three to five minutes i want it i'll put it on tv so of course i've got plenty of people that are interested so it's just a matter of getting all these uh um forms out for them to sign and, and whatnot um and of course i have to censor everything because we're on broadcast television so all the naughty words and any of the boobies have to be, you know, fuzzed out or blocked out or whatever. And I have been learning a lot about this because uh, apparently there's a lot of things you can get away with now, at least now on broadcast television that I wasn't aware of. Like you can have a woman in a with no bra on and a very, very tight shirt. Hmm. That's not a problem anymore. But, and you can have a, uh, let's see, uh, like I, I sent them a little something that I did, and I put some little N, or little TV 14 boxes over the naughty bits, and they didn't have a problem with when the, 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 the female character was looking directly at you with the boxes over her, her goodness. But the minute she turned sideways, apparently side boob is absolutely verboten on broadcast television weird yeah so i i had a couple of conniptions about that i'm like side boob really really now because i remember now under boob is fine because i'm a star trek nerd and if you remember deep space nine they had a couple of these alien uh alien uh, waitresses working in quirk's bar and there was one that was kind of like a lizard chick and she had this under boob top where the bottom of her boobs were hanging out of it. That was fine. But it's the side boob <laughs> that they have problems with. That is so weird. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, hopefully uh, something will happen in the next year where we might be on a different a, a different uh, a, viewing format where we don't have to worry about that as as much so uh yeah we'll see what happens but yeah it's it's been a little bit of a learning curve how things change uh of course some of you remember george carlin and i what was it the the 12 or 13 words you can't say on television say it started with seven and just started progressing yeah 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 so i i have to keep up with that now which is a uh, always <laughs> always a real treat um, but we do bleep everything out. And so far it's been pretty good because we've got the F bombs. We've got the S bombs, uh, whatever bombs you could think of, but we, we bleep them, but there's enough of the, the, uh, consonant to start it off with that. You know what we're saying? <laughs> so, uh, you know. It's, it's nothing that you have you haven't heard from your father five thousand times. <laughs> it's just got to bleep it. So, what but was yeah. it about the uh, creature feature that, like, because I know for me, you know, watching creature features growing up, it always felt like a mix of like the Three Stooges, and then you'd get, you know, a horror movie, and. You know, it was just, it was a, like, I got the warm fuzzies every time I watched, you know, w would watch something. Um, so what was it for you that drew you to the creature feature itself? 
Oh, that's difficult. Hmm. Um, well, I started watching these things when I was like beyond little. Um, let me think here. Gosh, I had to have been about like four or five years old. And this is back in Indiana. My grandfather had been over. And uh, what he would do is he'd wake me up at about midnight on Saturday nights. So I would watch wrestling with him on one of the stations. And this is 1971 or 72. Okay. Uh, so he'd wake me up and I'd sit there and I, you know, it was, I don't know where this was shot at. I'm assuming it was out of Indianapolis, but you had this. All you saw was like the spotlight on this dark ring. You couldn't see anybody in the crowd. Um, but they had, you know, had all the old wrestlers on there, you know. But well, this is way before, you know, Hulk Hogan and stuff. But uh um see so this is back in the territory days. Yeah, yeah. So I mean a lot of those people were were, you know, still around and or you know, like Andre the Giant and Junk, you know. Um but anywho, so, uh, but before this was on, there was a horror show. And the host dressed up like a vampire, and he spoke in prose. And uh, let's see if I can remember. It was Sammy Terry's Nightmare Theater. So, uh, you know, his, his, it was same formula every week. You know, he'd come out of his coffin, and he had a rubber bat flying around. That was his little buddy, and he'd, he'd basically speak in rhyme. And he'd have all the crappy public domain kind of movies on there, just garbage, <laughs> pure garbage. So I started setting my alarm clock at five years old to get up at, you know, 10 o'clock. And for whatever reason, back in the 70s, my parents were asleep, you know, by about 930. So I could get up and, and watch this stuff all the time. Uh, I got nailed a couple of times, but they just let me roll with it. Um, and I, I'd get about well, it's halfway. It's not like you were sneaking out. No, no. And I get about halfway through the wrestling and, uh, you know, conk out. Um, but, uh, yeah. Uh, and then when we moved to Omaha, and that was about 75, the first thing I did was start clicking the channels on Saturday night. And sure enough, I ran across the original Dr. Sanguinary. Now, his show was quite different because here he was, his, his cut-ins were short. You'd have maybe five cut-ins, and at the end of the night, you were lucky if you got like eight minutes of doc time. But he'd, it would kind of, you know, half the time I'd be like, okay, this is funny. I liked it when he did the comedy shtick. You know, and have some sort of little skit, but more so often than not, he would just be looking to screw around and fill time. And he'd have like, you know, the uh, the catcher from the Omaha Royals come in. And he'd sit there and talk baseball <laughs> during half the cut-ins. And I'm like, I don't want to hear about this stinking local baseball team and this this guy. I don't know who he is. I could care less, you know. I'll go see him when somebody has a birthday party there. But yeah, he'd have the local the local politicians in, and you have the local sports guys in. On a very rare occasion, he'd get the people in that were like at the Westroads Dinner Theater. 
And then you could say, okay, that's the secretary from Newhart, you know, or uh, whatever. Um, but the thing that I liked about him was he was accessible. So he'd go, hey, kids, I'm going to be at the Hinky Dinky Saturday. Bring a dollar for muscular dystrophy. And, you know, so I'd be like shaking my parents. Oh, uh, you got to take me to Hinky Dinky. I got to see, see Doc. Take me, take me, take me, take me. And, you know, and go see Doc and you get in line. And it was always fun because half the kids in this line would be crying. Like, you know, when you're a little kid and you go to see Santa Claus and there's always the kid that cries when they get anywhere within... Once you start getting closer and closer and closer and closer, then they start, you can just see them. The, the terror comes into their eyes. And then by the time they get to Santa Claus, they start crying. Same deal with Doc. And, you know, at this time, I'm like, what? Eight. Eight or nine. And I'm like, good grief. You know, I'm like, kid, why are you crying? He's a guy that works at the TV station. Hello? <laughs> you know, <laughs> But, you, you know, you drop your dollar in the fish tank, little fish bowl thing, um, and then he'd autograph a card to you, and you'd be like, oh, this is cool. And then if your parents had a camera, they'd take a picture and stuff. Um, but it, it was cool. It was like, you know, it was five, ten minutes of joy, childhood joy, just waiting in line to meet your little local TV hero and say hi to him. Now, me, I was a bit of a jerk because I would bitch. Uh so I'd be like, I'd get up there because, you know, I'm watching this show every week and I'm studying, trying to study and figure out the programming on here. Because I was at that age where I loved monster stuff like you wouldn't believe. When I got an allowance or somebody gave me birthday money, we'd go into Bellevue, Nebraska, downtown, and there was a hobby shop. And I'd get me one of those really cool big boxed Aurora monster model kits Ooh. it had glow-in-the-dark pieces and yeah things. those things kicked ass and i had them all you know, godzilla and the witch and the uh, hunchback and Notre dame and dracula and frankenstein and the forgotten prisoner skeleton dude and i mean the list went on i love that stuff and so i'm watching creature feature and i'm like okay well let's see here we have the universal mummy okay and then we got attack of the hamster people what the fuck is this oh i said a naughty word and then the next week it would be uh um uh werewolves in love or i'm like what the hell is this and then i'm like you go on and it would be you get one good universal movie and then you'd have to sit through like eight pieces of crap and i mean these this was garbage that i wouldn't even run because working on this book going through all these old TV listings. There's movies I haven't even heard of. And oh, I'm like... I think 400 public domain horror movies from the black and white era. Yeah, and there... I mean, there's just junk in there that... Uh, Attack of the Cheetah Man. I'm like, what the hell is it? I've never heard of the Cheetah Man in my entire life. Where are they getting this garbage from? You know? And I've got a couple of these big box dvd sets you know 500 monster movies on one dvd oh boy this is gonna be good you know um but there's stuff on there that that they were showing that i have never heard of and can't find but anywho 
so I'm studying this going, okay, this is crap. I want to see better junk. So whenever I'd go to see him at one of these appearances, I'd be like, you know, hey, hey, Doc, hey, Doc. Last, you showed one Godzilla movie, and I know there's more than one out there, but then we have to sit through all this werewolf crap. What's all with all these crappy werewolf movies? Where are they all coming from? And I just remember it was it was a Saturday about 5 o'clock in July. Could have been August. I don't know where Doc was earlier, but I think he was outside. And half his makeup had already sweated off. And I mean, he just he he just looked like he was melted. And I'm in line and I'm just like, you know, what is it with these werewolf movies? And he just <laughs> he's signing the card and he's looking at me. He's like, kid. I don't buy the movies, okay? He's like, if you want to complain, you got to call the station and you got to talk to this guy. He's the one that gets these movie packages. I got nothing to do with it. He's like, so you call him up and you complain to him. And I'm like, okay, I will. (laughs) Now, as an adult, and having worked on this book, little did I know, little did I know, uh, Usually when when uh, Doc Jones went on all these little afternoon or whatever autograph signing things, he always had beer in the trunk of his car. And uh, apparently he would, you know, make sure that he was he was in a proper mood before going on a lot of these meet and greets. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm like, yeah, so that's how he could put up <laughs> 200 screaming kids. Yeah, I probably need to. Slam down a couple of brewskis myself to deal with that. So <laughs> it, it it just makes the memories fonder knowing that. Because yeah, he'd be he'd be out at you know he'd go work the carnival or something all day, and then he'd go make a stop. You know he'd try to make two or three stops during the course of the day on his way home. You know to I guess maximize his costume or whatever. Um, anyway, yeah. Uh, so. That's kind of how much fun it was for me. And then, of course, as you get older and, you know, the original doc, he was on TV for, you know, uh, about 10 years. So he had a couple of generations in there. So he, when he first started, he had the people that were teenagers that were watching him. And then five years into that, they're grown up and they're moving away and going to college or starting families or whatever. And then you got the kids that are, you know, under them that were, you know, in junior high or grade school that, that would grow up and watch him and stuff. So he had a couple of, he had some layers going on in there, which, you know, my show too, I've got that. I last uh, fall, I was doing a, um, appearance at a comic con at, at one of the malls. And I had these guys come up to me and they're like, oh, they wanted to take pictures and they wanted me to sign a bunch of crap and junk. And I'm like, okay, so, and these guys were in their early 20s and they're like, yeah, yeah, we we grew up watching your show since day one. I'm like, oh, really? So I'm like, here you guys, you you started watching it when you were 11 and now you're 21. So that's kind of (laughs) cool. You know, I'm like, I influenced a generation. Um, but, uh, like I said, as I grew older, you know, um, we had moved, my family had moved from Omaha in 79 and I, you know, 
completely lost touch with Omaha and Dr. Sanguinary and Creature Feature. I didn't even know in 88 when Jones died. I didn't, I wasn't even aware of that. Um, but, uh, yeah, we moved to Chicago and the first thing I did was start clicking channels and they had Sven Gulli. I'm like, all right, well, Swingoolie's show is basically in the same show. It's the same show. It's been the same show for 30, 40 years or however long he's been on TV. Mm-hmm. You can set your watch to it. And I'm like, no, nope, I'm done with this. So that was kind of when I said, adios, horror hosts, and hello, teenage girls and cars. So uh, that was the natural progression. And I think that's how it typically goes. But, uh, yeah. Uh, so, you know, if, if people are have had the opportunity to grow up with a, you know, a, a TV personality that they enjoy as a kid, I, I kind of consider them consider themselves to be lucky to have that. Because we live in a day and age right now where there's too much of everything. You're hit from all sides of media with just everybody and their uncle and a lot of these people are grasping out trying to be famous for nothing (laughs) so you know i like my own kid he's in his early 20s and and he was never much one for you know the internet or whatever but i have to call him up and go okay so who's this idiot influencer guy on youtube and he'll he'll give me the four one one on this. And I'm like, so this guy is basically famous for doing nothing. He's just on YouTube spouting his opinions and smiling a lot. And he's like, yeah, basically. I'm like, oh well, I, you know, I could do I, that. I <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I can find better things to do with my time. But anyway, right. yeah. So, like I said, you, it's hard to focus these days on something because like i said the the horror hosts were uh very popular at a time where tv was it you didn't have the internet uh you you had radio yeah Uh, you had movies and theater and stuff yeah but tv was the king and when you only had you know six stations or five stations in your city pre-cable it was pretty easy to become a, a big local TV star. Oh, absolutely. And even then, the, the the newscasters held a lot of weight and volume with who they were and their pers- their TV personalities because, you know, oh, my God. When I was a kid, if I saw um, Carol Scott Davis from KMTV in the mall or at the Kmart, oh, my God. I'm just telling everybody in school, it was like meeting Elvis. Mm-hmm. Because I'm like, oh my God, Carol Scott Davis, I saw her at the mall. Uh, I think our, our school, I can't remember the name of the guy, but he was from KETV. They brought in a, a newscaster for like a career day thing. And I was like in fifth grade. And my God, everybody just peed their pants because I'm like, here's this famous guy that's on TV every fucking day. And it's like, oh my God, this is so cool. <laughs> now you know it's like i'm an anchor on tv yeah whatever get away from me you know (laughs) 
So uh, to tie this whole conversation together, as, as I've been listening to you uh, talk about, you know, the changes in your show and essentially growing your brand and different things like this, I have to ask, have you considered taking your show and doing it live and like doing just doing it on the road? Because you have moved we, more we, into the comedy done, format. We, we, that's how we started was live. Creature Feature Live was a a monthly thing for the first year of our existence. So we started out at Exarban Theater for, I think, our first five or six shows. So it was the last Saturday of every month, and we'd show, like, a really cool movie like King Kong or Psycho, or it was something good. And then we had our lab set up there, and it was we ran it just like the TV show. I'd come out, do an introduction, we'd start a skit, then I'd say, all right, let's watch the movie. They watch the movie about 15 minutes later. We boom, stop the stop the projector, turn the, the little front lights on, and we go back into the skit. So it was just like watching the show, but live. Did that for a couple of reasons. A, I wanted to build up a staff. And I told these people, I don't have any money to pay a P, you know, folks. Sorry, you know, I'm saying we're running on fumes here. But you know, through that, I, I met this guy or I met that guy or that guy or this guy. And in the end, you know, they ended up staying. And most of the people that are with the show now have been with us since, you know, day two, I'll say. Um, long time. Uh, we've had people come. We've had people go. We've had people come back and then go and then come back again and go. Uh, you know, the door is always open. But we started out live before we did the TV show. So a lot of that first season of our TV show were, were episodes that we already did live. So I knew that the, the jokes and the gags and all that other crap worked. Um, we are looking to probably going back to trying this. Things have changed uh, with movie theaters, unfortunately. If you can find one, because movie theaters are going out of business left and right. Um, but we're looking to do something with the uh, with a drive-in theater there in Nebraska, and I'm looking into one up in Minneapolis as well, because we managed to get our hands on a something called a switcher, which is a big electronical board unit thing that they use in television, and uh, we found out that we can very easily run this into the digital camera systems at these drive-in theaters. Hmm. So we can, we have control over everything. We can put graphics in, we can, you know, key in graphics and make them pop up on the screen. Uh, we can flip between two different cameras, you know, and the, the digital camera playing the movie. We can do all sorts of crazy stuff with it. So, uh, this theater that we'll be looking to work with uh, next year, we're looking to do something with them. So that ought to be fun. I think they're uh, I'm trying to remember the name of Quasar. Yep. The Quasar Ivan. Um, so I know my manager talked to him, I think last week about doing something. So that, that should be fun. Uh, and then of course, since we're outside, you gotta have zombies running around and, pretty nurses over at the snack shack and that kind of thing. So we'll, we'll do something silly with that. 
But uh, yeah, I want to see what we can do to um, do this interactive creature feature show at a drive-in. Because got a lot of room to run around. We can make a lot of mess outside. (laughs) Um, the, the The movie theaters, unfortunately... We used to do a lot of Creature Feature Lives. Uh, the last batch that we did were at the uh, Marcus 20 Grand. And since then, they've gutted the theater. And like what used to be a 120-seat theater is now less than 60 seats. And it's all those comfort lounging things. Um, recliner, lounger, bed, chair, whatever's. Um yeah it's it's nice to play to 60 people but it's better to play to over 100 oh absolutely um if i'm going to put forth the effort um but they still do have beer at the theaters which is really nice um but uh yeah so um the dynamics have kind of changed with the with the the indoor theaters um and i'm really sad that they uh got rid of the uh the, the dollar theater there in omaha um because I, I we did a um we did a creature feature live thing kind of sort of we we brought in um uh michael st michael's um for the movie the greasy strangler yeah which which we showed over there at that the, the dollar theater and that was perfect I mean, it was. It looked like 1970s in there, and you know, we didn't have to charge an arm and a leg for tickets or whatever. And and the folks were really easy to work with. I think it was owned by the folks that own the 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 fine arts theater downtown. But uh, yeah, they they finally killed that, which is a shame, because uh, I know a lot of folks who are who do independent movies. And that was always a really good place for these folks to screen their independent movies. Um, now you're stuck with, you know, Alamo and, and uh, you know, the, the big chains and whatnot. And, and they're going to poke you, you know, mm-hmm. and that that does not make it fun. <laughs> Bottom line. So I think we're doing what we're doing and looking towards doing some sort of live thing, interactive thing at the drive in that might be the way to go. Um, as long as the zombies don't get any blood on people's cars, I think we're good. Oh yeah. <laughs> so before we wrap this up, where can listeners keep up to date with creature feature and get their hands on a copy of your uh, book? Oh, that's easy. So we are on Facebook. That is our primary social media. So creature, uh, Dr. Sanguinary's Creature Feature, right there on Facebook. We do have a website. It's CreatureFeatureTV.com. CreatureFeatureTV.com. Every Sunday, we put the new episode of Creature Feature that has been airing up in Minneapolis. So it doesn't matter where you are in the world. You don't have to be in Minneapolis to watch the show on Saturday. You can watch it on Sunday on our website. And we kind of backlog it so you can watch like the past three episodes or something like that. There's a merch page on there. Um, it varies. I think the only thing we've got up there now is like glow in the dark t-shirts or whatnot, but I've got the book coming out. Um, hopefully uh, should be done sometime in December. 
So I'm just going to say it'll be out in January. And then I've got some plushy dolls that I'm working with a vendor in China. I'll be about 10 inches tall. You know, if they can put a little dog squeaker in them, that would be awesome because they're pit bulls. Tear the shit out of them to get the squeaker out. Um, So, well, uh, plushy dolls. And then I'm working with a a really kick-ass artist. We're going to have some posters coming out. This guy is just blowing this thing out of the water. So I've got a a Doc and Nurse Lily poster. It'll be our first. And it'll be on really nice stock. Um, You know, these will be first class. So. We'll have merch. And uh, yeah, so just uh, keep up with us on social media, on the, on the Facebook. Visit us on the website. Uh, I do make appearances. You know, we're still shooting the show in Omaha, so I'm in there, you know, two times, two, three times a month. But uh, I, I've got some appearances. I'll probably do a book signing appearance. Uh, there's a new bookstore that opened up in Plattsmith that I want to go check out because I believe it's just science fiction and fantasy books so i gotta go check those guys out because that might be a good place to do a book signing um then we got uh uh, i believe there's a comic-con at the mall in april of next year uh it's in the spring so i'll probably be out at that too so and then we've got the drive-in thing coming that'll probably be in the summer and uh yeah and then whatever things I got cooking over up, up in uh, Minneapolis. So once again, driving thing up there, uh, the TV station, nerd cons, um, because we're on the internet. I can, uh, I can get a little more territorial with, with the nerd cons. So I might do a couple in Des Moines this year, just because, you know, Hey, you can watch us online. Plus there's plenty of people in Des Moines that used to live in Omaha and stuff and, know what we do so listeners i'll post those links in the episode description for easy access and if you want to find me and other great podcasters head over to electronicmediacollective.com or if you're just looking for me you can find me on facebook twitter and now youtube at moose media inc just look for the moose doc this has been fun well, I'm glad you could uh, take some time and have me on. Cause, uh, you know, I'm getting up there in age. I'm old, and I live. I've lived this lonely life in my my mansion with all these hot, hotty nurses and Igor. So, you know, everybody tends to forget about the elderly. <laughs> yeah. All right, my friend. Well, I will let you go. And uh, like I said, once again, thanks for uh, for having me on. And for all you folks out there, tune in and watch my crap. And until next time, Horror Hounds, mash on.